This is Rory Fry, and you're listening to the Reformed and Recovered Podcast, where recovery and theology mix. Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, let me give you guys a little bit of uh, heads up on what we're doing here. So we were just working our way through the Beatitudes the last few weeks, actually since this meeting started, and we were supposed to do that again tonight, but I had finished them up last time we spoke. I was able to knock out two of them together there. And we had a free week in between starting the next series, and Rick wants to do First John. First John. And that'll probably take some time. I don't, I don't want to get one around with that. But so basically, we had a, you know, we had a free week here. So I asked Rick if I could speak on, on a topic that I thought was pretty relevant to these types of circles, but it's been exceptionally relevant right now, just from everything that's been going on. And uh, unfortunately, we don't get to start the year off on a happy, on a happy note. It'd be nice to do some cheesy message on, you know, resolutions or, uh, you know, <laughs> new year, new you. But I don't know about any of that kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> but I thought we would talk about relapse because just, I swear, it seems like we're getting hit in the face left and right with people that, uh, you know, that have been falling off. And uh, it's, it's a topic that's near to me. It's a topic that's dear to me. And it's a, a topic, to be quite frank, that it really terrifies me every time I think about it and every time I stare into it. And, you know, contrary to what you might think, at least in my experience, you know, getting ready to preach on relapse, it's not all that, it's not all that easy. Um, because just like with any other aspect of recovery, you go do some readings, you go do some studyings, and you're going to find a thousand different reasons. You know, this person says, well, do these things, you won't relapse. These people say, do these things, you won't relapse. And you're going to hear a thousand different reasons from a thousand different people. So much so that, you know, you guys could come up here, you could deliver a message on relapse. And it might be a completely different message than I might give tonight. Because I think it's that broad of a topic. Um, so I'm just going to try to cut all that out and stick to the one thing I, I do know how to do and the one thing that I am sure of and preach it from a Bible text. That's the only thing I could do. That's the only thing I, I, I could do because for me, this is, this is sanity right here. This is black and white. This doesn't change. This is, this, is, uh, this is the timeless Word of God. And we've been using the Word of God basically since you know, mankind learned how to read and write. And the Bible's been around for quite some time. And 1 Corinthians 10 really gives us a good starting place for that. So let me read you guys a couple of verses here. And this is 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13. And you guys are probably familiar with this. This is pretty popular, uh, pretty popular scripture here. It's not, you know, not obscure. We're not, what was he quoting Micah in that video? We're not looking at Micah or some, you know, some obscure minor prophet. We're looking at Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. So this is the word of God. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. 
<clears throat> God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So verse 12, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So I think you can see the uh, obvious connection there with, with relapse, or if we could throw out a more biblical term there, backsliding, that's just another, that's another term for it. Some people might be more familiar with that term, and that's fine. It doesn't, doesn't really matter what you call it. But we have the warning, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And when I said that this is a topic that's near and dear to me, it's not only because, you know, I've been sober for seven, seven years, and I've watched more people than I can count relapse. It's not that at all. Um, and it's not only that, one of the guys who helped 12-step me when I was around one year sober had a drug overdose and died. It's not that I had another friend who indirectly 12-stepped me who had an overdose and died last week. That's not why this is near and dear to me. That stuff affects me, yeah. That stuff, that stuff knocks the wind out of me every time. But when I got sober, I wasn't, I wasn't just, you know, floating around, drinking, using drugs, and had never had recovery before. I had been sober for about two and a half years previous to when I came into sobriety. Um, from 19 to 21 or so, I was sober. I was young. I was sober. Um, <laughs> And I did a lot of the same stuff that I do now. I preached, I led worship, I did a lot of that same stuff. I did street ministry. But for whatever reason, that wasn't enough for me. And uh, I decided to go out, I decided to pick up and use and all that good stuff again. And uh, I don't know how long, but maybe three or four years, I went back out and uh, it was horrific, it was, it was terrible because I witnessed myself do things that I never thought that I would do before. And not only was I on a relapse, but I was kind of, I was hell-bent and very angry at God. I was very angry at God because like I said, I, uh, I was involved in the church ministry and I blamed all my anger, I blamed all my resentment, and I directed it towards God and towards what I thought represented God at the time, which was the church, right? Because I was angry at a few different people in the church, so I would go out of my way to make dif things difficult for people at churches. Uh, so much so that I used to, you know, we're on drugs, so we do what people on drugs do. We go out and steal, we break into things, we, you know, we sell drugs, we do all that all that bad stuff, but we would intentionally vandalize and uh, burglarize cars in church parking lots on Sunday morning because we figured that people were leaving their wallets in their cars, they were leaving their purses in their cars because they wouldn't feel guilty and give money at church, right? No one, no one wants to, no one wants to take their wallet in the church because they might, they might give to the offering or something like that. So, my anger towards God, I said, God, I'm going to go rob all these churches while these people are in church, and that's what I did. I went out and I robbed churches. I broke into churches. Uh, I don't think I ever did it here, but you guys remember Orchard Church. I didn't do it there either, but we had we were we were targeting it. We were planning on it. We were going to go there on a Friday night uh, and break into the churches there. And luckily we didn't. Luckily, uh, luckily we didn't. But I'm just saying all that to uh, you know this stuff is near to me because I've been there. I did what this text 
is telling us not to do. I thought that I was standing firm. I thought that I was, on, I thought that I was in a good place. So much so that, and you guys have heard this kind of talk before, maybe in a treatment center or even in a meeting. They tell you, I want you to look to the person to the right of you, and I want you to look to the person to the left of you. You know, two of you guys aren't going to be here in a year. Two of you won't be here. And I'm the guy, I'm looking at him, he's gone. Him, he's gone. I'm definitely not going to be the one who's going to fall away. These guys are going to go out. But, you know, I've got my stuff together here. I'm not going to be the one that has to go out. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. He's talking about spiritual pride right there. You think you have spiritual pride? You think you're something special in the kingdom of God? Well, take heed lest you fall. So maybe it's overconfidence. Maybe that's what he's talking about right there. Cockiness, self-confidence, whatever it is. But be careful. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Take heed is to look at. That's what it means in the Greek, is to look at this. Look at this topic right here that I'm talking about. Look at this topic of spiritual cockiness, of spiritual pride. Take heed lest the spiritual pride, lest this cockiness cause you to fall, to fall utterly. Take heed. Be careful. Watch. Watch yourself. That's literally watch yourself. That's examine yourself, lest you fall. So when we were getting ready for this, uh, you guys know we have, or if you don't know, we have we have the Facebook page, the Reform and Recovered Facebook page, and we put videos and we do all sorts of different things on there, memes and and whatever we're in the mood to put up there. And uh, I, I put up a uh, I put up a poll and I, I ran the numbers here, and the poll was when you hear stories about relapse or you hear stories or a situation somebody backslid you know how does it make you feel and I put you could put two options the first one was you hear these things it makes you feel nervous it makes you feel a little bit scared and the other one, other option was you hear stories like this you hear about situations like this and you don't feel anything you feel pretty indifferent to it so we had I think 14 votes on the poll and nine of us put that they felt nervous they, they felt scared they felt terrified and five people but uh, you know, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't really move me. I don't really. I hear. I see the guy relapse at the meeting. It doesn't really do anything to me. Five people put that. Nine people said yes. It does terrify me. It scares me every single time. I know I put that. I definitely put that because I want to be careful here, guys. I want to make sure I don't think that I stand. I'm standing in my own accomplishments. That I think. I can't fall because I have such a wonderful program. Or I can't fall. I go to 30 meetings a week. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. I can't fall. It won't be me. It might be that guy. It might be that guy. But it won't be me. Well, truth is, it's been me before. <laughs> it's been me before. And I pray to God. I hope to God that it's not me. I hope to God that it's not me again. Therefore, let anyone who thinks to stand take heed lest he fall. So the interesting thing about the church in Corinth is, now we could turn it on its head a little bit, but if you guys read your Life Recovery Bibles that do the introduction to the book, 
And it describes this section, I think from chapter 6 to the end of the book, he calls the church in recovery, or whoever whoever's the commentator there, refers to the Corinthian church as the church in recovery. But I think it be a little better to actually call them the church in relapse because it's not a church that's doing all that great right here but it's a church that has a large amount of spiritual pride and that's kind of one of the things that Paul is writing to them the entire time is to hack away at this pride they were prideful because they were gifted they were they were a big church they were a wealthy church they had spiritual gifts galore and Paul is writing to hack away at these things and he gives us, this is the context, this is the context of the text that we're looking at here. And if we go, go down to verse 6, I'll do this quickly because this would take a few weeks to go through this <laughs> if we won't verse by verse. But we look at verse 6. Now these things took place as examples for us, all right, that we might not desire evil as they did. So he's going to give us some situations here, and he's saying, I'm giving you these examples right here. I'm giving you these examples because these guys were spiritually proud. These guys didn't think they could fall into sin. He's going to give us these examples. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it was written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's Exodus 32. You guys can check that out on your own. The story being that Moses goes up there to receive the Ten Commandments. And what are Aaron and the Israelite nation doing down there? They're building a golden calf. They're doing the exact thing that Moses is going up on the hill to come back down. Commandment number one, have no other gods before me. The Israelites are down there building a golden calf. Do not be idolaters. Do not fall back into idolatry. The Corinthian church had been delivered from idolatry. Do not fall back into these things. Do not relapse into idolatry. To placing your confidence in things other than God or trusting in things other than God because we know how we know the results of that for us we pick up we drink for some of us we pick up we drink we die that's the results of idolatry and look at this they sat down to play to eat and drink and rose up to play next we must not indulge in sexual immorality which was probably connected to idolatry again this is Exodus 32 that was a thing popular with the pagans it was that sex was wrapped into their uh, wrapped up with their idolatry and we know that the Corinthian church had some very interesting sexual problems going on so much so that Paul's rebuking them because one guy's sleeping with his stepmom and bragging about it and the church is bragging about it well this is not good <laughs> sexual immorality in general is is not good but it's something that's very real right lust is very real but lust just like for them that's something we need to watch out for. That can easily lead us from recovery into relapse, affairs, pornography, all that kind of stuff. Is, you know, without God's grace, that stuff's just going to trip us up. We must not indulge in sexual morality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. So that relapse led to 23,000 people of the Israelite nation being, being destroyed that day. 23,000 people fell into that and they received God's judgment. That's a pretty serious thing there. Relapse is a pretty serious thing. Verse 9. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. That's, I think, Numbers 21. Let me give you the exact cross reference here. 
Yeah, it's Numbers 21. Must not test the Lord. As some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. So for them, putting God to the test, questioning God, failing to trust in God, it led them to be destroyed by serpents. Again, that was a judgment from God. Luckily, we're in the new covenant and we don't get eaten by snakes when we sin. You know, luckily, you know, <laughs> thankfully God doesn't treat us like, you know, doesn't, doesn't deal with us like that anymore. But we still do know this, that the wages of sin are death. And that's Romans 3 for you guys, or Romans 6. That the, the wages of sin is death. So sin is a very serious thing. And sin, relapses, all that good stuff, it might spiritually kill us, but it could physically kill us as well in the long run. Play, along with, play around with sin enough, it can have very terrible consequences. Verse 10, nor grumble. Jeez. Nor grumble. Some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. That's Numbers 16. You guys can look at that. So even grumbling, complaining against God. God, I'm not grateful of what you've given me. God, you're not giving me enough. God, I want this. God, I need this. How come you're not giving it to me? And do not grumble. Do not be ungrateful. So even ungratitude, being ungrateful, had led them to relapse. So we'd be pretty foolish to think that that wouldn't make us relapse. Verse 11, now these things happen to them as examples. Okay? But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So these things, they're crazy stories, but they happen for an example. That us in the church age, on whom the end of the ages has come, that means the old covenant is gone, we're in the new covenant, that we can look back on these things. We can look back on these things and say, you know what? I need to watch myself for this. I need to be humble enough to watch myself for this, that I don't fall into these same sins that the Israelite nation fall into. Because it's very real and it's very easy to fall into these things. So we need to be humble. The humble man realizes that he can fall. The humble man realizes that he's a step away from making a bad choice. A bad thought from throwing his life away. The humble man realizes that. And he turns to God and says, God, I realize, I realize how big of a knucklehead I am. And I realize that if you don't keep me, I will not keep myself. I never have in the past. And I never will in the future. Because you know what? I'm a step one kind of guy. <laughs> I'm a step one kind of guy. I'm powerless, zero power, and my life is unmanageable. So God, I need you to provide the power for me, and I need you to manage my life for me. Because if not, I'm going to fall. So we examine ourselves to look at these things, too, to remain in the will of God. Verse 13, now we get to some, some good stuff here. No temptation is overtaking that's not common to man. So when we go through struggles, when we go through temptations, that's actually probably better translated struggles right there. Or even um, even persecution is probably what it, really, it originally meant. That no persecution is overtaking you that's not common to man. Well, we're in America. We're not you know getting blatantly persecuted right now, but... We can look at this and we all have struggles. We all have temptations. We all fight the flesh. And there's something beautiful about that right there. Because we all come together and we all celebrate something. And we celebrate the fact that we've all been delivered from a common struggle. That everyone in this room has been delivered from the ill effects of drugs and alcoholism right now. Drug abuse and alcoholism. We come together. So there is a a commonality, there's an empathy when it comes to 
these temptations here and these struggles here. And God can use our battered past for a good thing. God can take our, our struggles, our temptations, and use that to build other people up. It's, these things are not uncommon. When an addict goes out and relapses, that's not uncommon. But we can be of service and approach these people and say, you know what, I've been there too. You feel like drinking? I feel it sometimes too. You want to throw it all away? I feel it sometimes too. I feel it sometimes too. So there's a strength in that right there. There's a strength in that right there. And that's a service in that right there too. Because empathy ought to launch us in the service. And we can reach the addict, we can help the addict because we've been to those places. We used to go to the streets because we've been in the streets. We used to go to psych wards and institutions because we've been in psych wards and institutions. We've been there, we go back. And we know the pains and we know the, we know the torment associated with all that kind of stuff. We know the pain of drug addiction. We know the despair of alcoholism. Why would we go back? Empathy launches us into launches us into action. <clears throat> now God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. It can be truthful. He is trustworthy, however you want to translate that. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So there is a lovely amount of grace in this. God is faithful. That's one of the most beautiful things I've ever read in my life. God is faithful. Three words. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So that means when we're being tempted, when we're being persecuted, when we're struggling, we'll not be tempted beyond our ability. Meaning that God gives us a way out a way of escape that we may be able to endure if we want to endure and that's the tricky thing with relapse because if we don't want to be sober we don't want to stay in the recovery life we're not going to stay in the recovery life we're not going to take the way of escape we're going to take the easier softer way so we can rely on the faithfulness of God and that's if we really want I mean that's if we really want this if we we have to ask ourselves do we really want these things do we even really want sobriety I was just talking to someone on the phone earlier and I'm like ah, I bummed out I, I fell again and I'm like do, do you even do you even really want to stop no I don't really want to stop well, okay well be honest with yourself you know we can work 12 steps we can work 25,000 steps if you want to but you know if you're not at least having that that measure of willingness it doesn't really matter God's given you a way of escape his grace is your way of escape but if you want to keep playing around with sin and darkness well it's not gonna really matter it's not gonna really matter it has to be some some sort of desire here God is faithful if we want these things God is faithful even when we're you know feeling a physical craving or or it's like our skins are, our skin is crawling God is faithful even if you've tried to call a thousand people and a thousand people didn't answer their phone guess what God is faithful his way of escape is still there his way of escape is just trust me trust me I've already given you the way of escape my grace is sufficient 
when your sponsor relapsed. I've had, sp I've had sponsors relapse. God is still faithful. There was still the way of escape for my ex-sponsor. I won't say any names, but there was a way of escape. But he went the other direction. And God bless his soul. And I, I would, I would, I would be like the prodigal son's father. I would run at the top of my speed if my ex-sponsor could come back. I would open the doors for him. I would fall down on the floor in joyful tears. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure. God is faithful that you may be able to endure. So we can remember these things the next time. God is faithful. There is a way of escape. God in his grace provides a way of escape. We just got to cling to that. We just got to run to that. No matter how hard it might be, we got to run to God. We got to run to God because God is faithful. God is faithful even when we're not. God is faithful. God is gracious. God is kind. God is merciful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Addiction is not outside the power of God. It's not like it's, you know, God, <laughs> oh, this is the one thing God can't stop. What? No. But with the temptation, when it comes, and it does come, it's a turning to God. Look, in studying these things, now, I don't know if you guys have, you know, had much experience with teaching, but, you know, sometimes you study this stuff and you get real close to it, and it, it becomes really real. And uh, at Friday night, I wake up, or not Friday night, I wake up on Saturday morning, I wake up at 3 a.m., and I couldn't go back to sleep, right? All right, I'll get up. I'll get up. I laid in bed for a couple minutes. I said, well, I'm, you know, if I'm not going to sleep, I might as well get up and go start my day. And I can't tell you where this comes from, guys, except for just staring into this, just staring into this and thinking about it and thinking about it and reading things like the Narcotics Anonymous Relapse and Recovery chapter and being scared out of my mind because it's, you know, nine out of ten things these guys are saying not to do. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But I wake up. And the only thing I could think about was drinking at 3 a.m. in the morning. Well, why would I want to wake up and think about drinking at 3 a.m. in the morning? That's the last thing I want to do. I have a wonderful life today that's all built on sobriety. It's all built on recovery. My marriage, my kids, my job. I didn't have any of that before I got sober. I didn't have anything before I got sober. And that's all I could think about. And I was terrified. And I know, and I know this, my wife keeps a bottle of champagne in the, in the fridge. And a thousand other days before that, I've never given it a thought. Go in there, grab the ketchup, never give it a thought, you know. Grab the mustard, never give it a thought. But that, that morning, this was just this weekend, I could go in there and I could drink that and nobody would know. <laughs> nobody would know. But God is faithful and he provides a way of escape. I said, God, I don't want to do that. God, don't let me do that. Don't let me do something so foolish. God, be kind to me. Don't let me do something so foolish. So I, I prayed to God. I read some Puritan prayers. I posted some things on Facebook. I looked at some Facebook uh, recovery Facebook groups since 3.30. You know, I'm, this stuff's going to pass. And I looked at some old poems that I had published a while back. 
And those were poems that I had written when I was feeling the same exact way. That book of poetry that I released. I started that collection of poetry with that same feeling. And I wrote the poems and it was just to proclaim the faithfulness of God. To proclaim the goodness of God because I was terrified. And I read those things and I realized, you know what? If I didn't have to give into it that time, I don't have to give into it this time. And I put it down, I put it down. And my, my inventories are not, they're not pretty. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> they're not pretty. God, this is God, don't let me throw my life away. Don't let me throw my life away. And within 45 minutes, it, it had passed. And I was walking down the street with my dad. And I'm like, oh, oh wait, I didn't drink. I didn't drink. And I said, God, thank you for keeping me again. Thank you. You've given me the way of escape. Thank you, God, in your grace for keeping me. So if anything around that, God, you know, God is faithful. And he will provide a way of escape that we might endure. 